0: Father Miguel really likes Marvel movies. In fact, I think one day he wants to be a great superhero. The other day I was walking into the rectory and he was in the living room dressed in an Iron Man suit doing all sorts of fighting moves. And I looked at him and I began to back away slowly. I picked up my phone and say, Father Joe, can you come back? (laughs) There's nothing wrong with wanting, wanting to be someone great. I want to be a great priest. I want to be a great spiritual father. And many of you want to be great, mo- great mothers, fathers, grandparents, great at your job, and great at all sorts of things. But what we understand greatness to be is very different from how the world understands greatness. And that's ultimately what Jesus is speaking about in today's gospel— So they're on this journey from from Galilee to Capernaum. And on this way, it it shows that the, the disciples were arguing about something. So they get to Capernaum and Jesus asks this question, what were you guys arguing about on the way? They were utterly silent. They were embarrassed because the text says, they were discussing among themselves who was the greatest. In the ancient world, much like today, status and honor were very important greatness in a society was about what positions you held it was about rank it was about how much influence you had how much power you had and what happened was in the ancient world there was a lot of jockeying for position to understand maybe I have noble birth and I have this status I have this rank I have this position so the great ones were the leaders of Israel it was all about rank Notice how Jesus responds to this. He says, if anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. Notice how he doesn't say it's wrong to want to be great. He doesn't deny that part of our human nature, the desire to be great. He redefines it in terms of love, in terms of service. And so to be great is not about holding positions of high authority. It's not about being held in high honor or being held in high esteem. It's not about being the most attractive person. It's not about being the most successful. It's not about being being the one that has the most power over others. What's most important here is that greatness is in terms of your ability to give yourself away in love. It's about your ability to serve because that's the last place that ultimately is the true measure of greatness. This is a reminder to us of the main difference between how disciples see the world and how non-disciples see the world. See, disciples see other people in terms of their ability to love and serve them. How can I serve this person more? My true greatness is, is really the measure of my ability to serve other people and to be last. My interest is them, not me. But a non-disciple is not really concerned about other people and may be concerned about people insofar as that it helps them to achieve their goals, their ends, their projects. And this is why it can be very tricky. We look out into people who aren't disciples. They can be a lot of people are serving other people. But they might be serving other people with the motivation of them getting ahead in the world. Them being thought of as being a loving person. For example, it might be socially advantageous for someone to appear to care about the poor, to appear to care about all sorts of social issues, but inside they really don't care about serving other people. In other words, they serve in so much as it serves them. Jesus continues to challenge us about what it means to serve. When I first arrived at the parish, uh, we quickly kind of wanted to kind of understand the culture of the parish so we brought in a consultant to help us identify what the core value of this parish is and we immediately recognized it as service that the parish was very generous with its time its talent and its treasure and truly wanted to serve the community and just a couple years in i kind of redefined it to make sure that our understanding of christian service is distinct from a secular version of service so we called it i am third and it's very simple to understand Once I come to discover that I am loved by God, that God has put me first and himself last and has given me life, it's then that I respond by loving him first and loving my neighbor second. I come third. See, that's the true nature of Christian service is to recognize that one's loved by God, to choose to love my neighbor as God has loved me, and then from that, I then put myself third. So as Jesus continues to teach his disciples on this service, he does something that I think is a stunning example of what he's talking about. So he's in this crowd teaching, and he takes a child, almost like he takes a child and he puts his arms around the child. He embraces the child, and he says this, whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. Think about how critically important this is. He's using this example of receiving a child as a key to understanding how to receive God himself. So it's important for us to understand what he's talking about here. So what does it mean to receive a child? Very easily it means, or very like simply, it means to welcome that child, to serve that child, to love that child. You see, in the ancient world, much like today, children had little or no status. You could not get ahead in society, you could not advance your rank by caring for children, by loving them, by receiving them. Children are utterly poor. They're weak. They can't pay you back. You can understand why women were not very well respected in the ancient world. And yet Jesus is using this as a sign of true greatness. If you can receive a child, one who cannot pay you back, then you truly do have a servant's heart. You truly know how to serve and you know how to receive God himself. My brothers and sisters, we live in a world that does not welcome children, does not celebrate the birth of little children, does not celebrate family life and the sacrifices that moms and dads have to make in family life. It's very easy for us to see how the world, when we think about it in terms of service and love, gets it completely backwards. And that's why John Paul II can say, precisely because of our Christian understanding of love, can say something like this. Society will be judged on the basis of how it treats its weakest members, and among the most vulnerable are surely the unborn and the dying. So what does all of this mean for us? Two points. Number one, as Christians, we need to stop arguing about things that do not matter. It's very easy for us to get caught up into the categorization of the world and to start trying to jockey for position. For a position among our friends, our family, our coworkers, even in our parish school, in our parish community. It's easy for us to get worried about those things, but we need to remember that right in front of all of us, within reach, is our opportunity to become great. The people right around us, to love them like Christ has loved us. And if you find yourself in positions of power, in positions of influence, you have a status in your business or the community or in government to understand that position as an opportunity to love like Christ loved and to serve others, to see yourself as last. And just kind of as a side note, what would it look like if faithful Christians occupied offices of government all across the spectrum? I think we'd live in a very different world today. So number one, stop arguing about and caring about things that really don't matter in the end. Number two, do not condition your love and service to others based on whether or not people can pay you back. You see, the world is something like this. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. It's this give and take thing that happens. Now, On the one hand, we realize that this is not a commentary on capitalism or a free market exchange. Certainly man acts in his self-interest, so it's not a bad thing to have exchanges in society. But when it comes to our relationships, we should never act as if we're going to get something back because that's no longer love, it's actually self-interested. Jesus is calling us to a radical form of service that means we need to be ready to not receive back because that might be the true measure of love. And if we can love like that, we're very much on our way to greatness. So let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for serving us and putting us first and yourself last. Lord, we repent for, for not loving others and for seeking greatness in the eyes of others and not in the greatness in the eyes of you. Give us your heart to love those you placed in our lives, especially those who cannot repay us. Help us to love like you so that we can be like you and to be great like you. After all, our deepest desire is to receive you and the one who sent you.